How, how long does it take you to get here? Like 30 minutes. So he drives 30 minutes, 35, to get here from his house out east. Aubrey, how long does it take for you guys to get here? About 35 minutes. Okay, but those are on the literally the opposite directions. Okay, so if Aubrey and Manning don't have this time in the same room, they will never, ever, ever interact or cross paths. Right? Like, why would they? They live in, an, over an hour away from one another. And that's just one example of many. Like, Trenton, where do you even live? Where? Here. Here? You live in um, in Midtown? Like in this building? No. This is... <laughs> you live close. Okay, you live close. So he lives centrally located. He's never going to cross paths with Manning, who's 30 minutes away. Right? And then you, yeah, you go, how long does it take for you to get here? 30 minutes? 20? So, so you're 25 minutes north. Who lives south? You live kind of south. Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys. How long does it take for you to get here? 45 minutes. You joking me? Okay. So we've covered the map with student ministry students. And yet we come together and there's not enough time together outside of a Sunday and Tuesday. And there's really nothing we can do about it. I encourage you guys to build friendships and stuff. Go hang out. But I know that practically, circumstantially, that's going to be tough. No problem. So we've got to figure it out here while we have together time now who we are the first thing we mentioned is that we are a group of people that just expects that God will work in our lives we expect that God is actively working in our lives and you could the other side of that coin is I'm expecting that God is working in your lives I'm expecting that God does that and we expect that God works in our lives and through our lives. So in other words, when you go to school, when you go to your part of town, God's at work in your life and He's at work through your life so that the people in your town, they are encountering the Lord Jesus because He's overflowing out of your life. Does that make sense? Now for many of us, that idea is like, I don't know if that's happening. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the point of this vision, is to explain and to look at what does the Bible say about that. What does it look like for God to be working in and through you? How do you get that? How do you do that? Now, we also talked about our part being that we pray, our part being that we're, we're telling people what the Bible says, our part being that we host people well, we love people when they come in here and when we have events. Like if you go to Manning's house on Thursday, or if you go to Hobry's house on Thursday, you are going to find that they will host very well. Like I guarantee it. Not because they're special in and of themselves, but because part of it is because their parents have trained them to do this because their parents do it well. But also they want you to come over and they want you to have a good time. They don't want their dirty clothes to be all over the living room and the, you know, the carpet's got all the stuff on it and like it's a mess and then Aubrey burnt the brownies. Dude, come on. Never. Never. But, but they want you to enjoy your time there, Right? We all have to have that attitude, even about this space. So that when somebody comes in, 
Man, we're glad they're at our house. Do you see this room as your, your room? That's one gauge. Is this your room or is this my room? Trick question. Mm. Yeah? It is God's, but if it's just God's, and it's not any of ours, then what happens to the room? Nobody takes care of it, right? We spill milk on the ground and then, well, oh well. Then next week, everybody's going to know about it because you smell it, right? But when people come in, we want to host them well. And then we've begun to talk about how we fix our hearts on the Lord. Now, I walked through Psalm 57 last week, and what we saw was that David was on the run from Saul. Saul was trying to kill him. And what was David's attitude in the midst of that trial, of that of that really hard time. Well, we saw that he just decided to trust God. And we saw that when we decide to trust God, even in the midst of a hard time, God will take care of us. That's who God is. And then David's response further is that he just praises and worships God. And that's the place of victory. When in a hard place and in a hard time, we get to a place where we are saying, God, you are wonderful and you are good even though my situation is bad. That's what victory looks like. You understand? Then we talked on Tuesday very practically. If you were at Tuesday night family prayer night, that was the message I was going to preach today. But I found out that I had to preach on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. I was like, oh. So we just, you got it a little early. We saw that Moses went to go meet with God. And what are some principles that we take away uh, from from the Bible? that apply to how we have a quiet devotional life. Well, it's going to take preparation. You're not going to just wake up early and seek the Lord. That doesn't just happen. And when you, when you do wake up, you actually got to get up. You have to present yourself. Moses presented himself to God. He humbles and prepares himself to seek God's face and God speaks to him. God meets with him. And what we see is there's a a phrase there in Exodus 34 that says God stood with him there. If, If we're faithful to meet the Lord at that appointment tomorrow morning or wherever, whenever, God will meet with us. And then you can fix your heart on him. Okay. You're like, bro, what are you talking about? I wasn't there. Well, You should look it up. You should go back and you should watch Tuesday night. Maybe watch it again. Because I think that if we can't get our quiet time figured out, then we're going to roll up into this place on Sunday mornings in our flesh and nothing's going to get done. Do you understand? Like if we we don't get our quiet time figured out, you're going to perpetually have problems. You're always going to have issues. You're always, you're always going to be in a place of defeated. You're always going to be walking around, beat up, spiritually, socially, relationally. You lose. You're, you're a loser. Until you claim the victory that God has for you. Right? And then, we as a group change. Then we look different. Okay? He's had enough. He says, I'm done. I can't have it. I can't have this anymore. Okay, so let's talk about it. We're gonna we're gonna do some CPR. Who knows how to do CPR? Nice. So if my heart, if I just like died, 
you could save me? You really want me to suck on your face? I don't think CBR is sucking on the face, bro. Mitch is like, he's doing the, the chest compressions, and he's like, <laughs> my lungs are just like, <laughs> oh boy, wow. <laughs> they changed it. I don't know why. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, please don't suck on my face, Mitch. Uh, if but but CPR, what is that for? CPR is for what happened? Like, why do people do CPR? Because your heart Because you've died, right? Your heart has stopped, and you are dead. You're a dead body, and so somebody has to come in. They have to approach your dead body, and they have to try to resuscitate it. Right? Okay, we're going to do CPR on our quiet time. Your quiet time might be dead this morning. Do you think it is? Do you think that your quiet time is dead? Do you think that when you, when you wake up, and this happens to me every morning, I have the, the option of having a dead quiet time. When you wake up, and you say, I'm going to read my Bible... Does it look like or sound like this? I get up, I open to the chapter, I read it, I don't really know what I read, but I read my Bible, and now I kind of just move on. Is that your quiet time? Is your quiet time this? You wake up, and well, the, first thing that I, the first thing that I grab when I wake up is my phone. Partially because sometimes my children are in my bed, and I don't want them to grab it first. But partially because this is how I communicate. This is how I do a lot of work that I do. This is oftentimes how I read my Bible. It's oftentimes where I just check in on all of the busyness of life. I grab my phone. Is your quiet time that you grab the phone and you never even make it to the Bible? Is your quiet time where you read maybe a passage, but you've not actually said one word to the Lord? You just read and then moved on. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe your quiet time is, well, God, thank you for today, and you know, you blessed today. Everything I got going on, and man, I'm just thankful to you that you've given me today, and uh, I get to go to school, and thanks for all these blessings and this great stuff. And Jesus' name, Amen. And then you move on, never once considering what God might want to say in response to you. Is that your quiet time? Any of these situations? Need CPR. Heart's not beaten. Okay, so here's what CPR stands for. CPR stands for confession unto thankfulness. That's important. Confession unto thankfulness. Prayer unto listening. Prayer unto listening. And repentance unto obedience. Repentance unto obedience. Confession unto thankfulness. Prayer unto listening. Repentance unto obedience. Or you could say repentance unto cooperation. And then it could be CPR. Or it could be TLC. I need some time, love, and care, right? Tender loving care. There it is, yeah. So, CPR. Confession, prayer, repentance. We're going to talk through that. And can I just, can I just, maybe... Maybe we only get to this. The importance of this is 
You right now are beginning your life, right? How, how many of you are 14? Anybody 14? 14? How many of you are 15? 15? 16? 17? 18? So check this out. You're entering this stage in your life where things are exciting. They should be. And fun. And you've got friends. And maybe you've got groups and clubs and school and activities and you're learning a lot. And it can also be kind of a hard time in life, right? Like sometimes the, you're figuring out the social dynamic and you're figuring out who your friends really are, who, who are you going to be close with, who are you going to be tight with, what does that look like, what does your social network truly look like. And your parents tell you, after high school you're not even going to know anybody that you went to high school with. You won't be friends with them. And you say, well, no, that's not true because this friend is so close to me. I love this person so much. And you have these attachments to these people. Or maybe you have an attachment to a thing. When I was in high school, I swam and I had an attachment to it. I thought, I'm going to do this forever. <laughs> I'm going to swim forever into college. And then you know, maybe I'll coach. And I have these dreams and maybe it's a dream that you've attached yourself to. Maybe you think there's this, this idea or this career or this person or this club or whatever it is and you attach yourself to it and that is what pulls you through your teenage years. And you think to yourself, this is going to make me happy. Right? Who knows what thing it is that you're attached to. If you can think, real quick, I think I'm attached to... This. Raise your hand when you think you got it. I think I know what it is. Okay, no. Okay. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I'm not. Because probably they're good. But what I, what I hope to communicate is that that if you don't get your devotion life set up, and established and prepared. So you are meet you're meeting like in person with the God of the universe every day and letting him lead your life. If you don't get that, I truly believe that no matter how great of a kid you are, no matter how awesome you are, and you guys are awesome kids doesn't matter. If you don't get that devotion right, in 5, 10, 15 years from now, which is a time that you can't really even fathom. You're, not, you're like, you don't think about the future like that. I get that. But just for a second, entertain this thought. 5, 10, or 15 years from now, if your devotional life is not set with the Lord, you will be very empty. And you're going to be miserable, at least. At least. And if you belong to the Lord, if you're saved, if you're genuinely saved, you're born again, and you don't get this devotional life set, 5, 10, 15 years, your Father is going to correct you. And He's going to let your life come crumbling down. So that you'll turn to Him. So you'll draw close to Him. 
And that is just really not fun. You don't want to do that. What you do, what you want to do is you want to, okay, think right now. You can't think about five years anyways. Think about right now, this morning. It is 10.03 a.m. on September 3rd, 2023. You're in Midtown, Kansas City, Missouri. The zip code is 64111, right? I think. It's approximately... It's not 90 degrees out there. It can't be. Is it 90 degrees outside? 79. I'm like, I hate my life. <laughs> I'm staying in here. 79 degrees outside. It's nice and cool. It's sunny all day. Think about right now, today, this moment. You have the opportunity to decide that moving forward what will be a number one priority in your life is your devotional life with Jesus Christ is meeting with him daily trusting in him actually listening to him clearly praising him fervently loving him genuinely you can decide that those things are going to be true of your life or You can walk away from this morning disregarding that invitation from the Lord. You can disregard it and you can say that tomorrow you're not going to prioritize that. If it happens, it happens. That can be your attitude. And it might happen. It might. But it might not. And eventually it won't. If you don't decide, I am going to seek the Lord. And again, that just would suck. Okay, so let's talk about your CPR. Let's, let's resuscitate our quiet time. Check out this verse in Romans chapter 7, verse 14 to 25. Kind of a long passage, but an important one. If you turn in your Bible to Romans 7, verse 14, we're going to read through it. And it's just going to be Paul describing how uh, weak you and I are. And it is that weakness I'm proposing that we have to confess to start a devotional time, a devotional life. You've got to come to the place where we can confess, I suck. Here's what Paul says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Okay, you already see there's two things, spiritual and carnal. Good, bad. For that which I do, I allow not. The things I'm doing, I don't want to do them. For what I would, what I do want to do, That do I not. I don't do it. So I want to do these good things, but I don't do them. And what I'm actually doing is the thing I don't want to do. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, if I do the things that I don't want to do, I consent unto the law that it is good. Right? Because I'm doing things that I know are wrong. That's a word that you can identify with. I do things that I know are wrong, and I don't want to do them, but I do them anyways, and I don't know why. What you're saying is, there is a standard, and there is a difference. If you can relate and say, I know that I do things that I shouldn't do, you're saying that there are things that you shouldn't do, and that there are things you should do. Make sense? Paul says... I keep doing the things I don't want to do. He says, now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, check this out, in me, Paul says, and in you, that is in my flesh, 
dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. If I do what I don't want to do, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. You want to do what's right. But what we realize is there's something in me that doesn't want to do what's right. Can you admit that for a second? You want to do what's right. But please recognize that in your flesh, there is a part of you that doesn't want to do what's right. If you can't admit that, you're a Pharisee. If you don't know what a Pharisee is, you're a proud boastful, religious, disgusting person. If you say, then no, I don't want to do evil things. You are lying to yourself. You do. You say, well, I don't want to murder anybody. I don't want to look at pornography. That's not what I said. I said, what's evil? How about lying? How about coveting? How about envy? How about pride? Those are things that you want to do, but you don't want to do them. You don't want to do them, but you do them because you want to. You confused yet? <laughs> there's a part of you that wants to do what's wrong. And there's a part of you that wants to do what's right. The part that wants to do what's wrong is your flesh. The part that wants to do what's right is your spirit. Here's what he says in verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. He says, ah, I can tell there's a spirit and there's a flesh and they're warring. And then he says this, if you could say this, please, this morning, if you can get to this place, we've, we've won the morning. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Mitch says things like, you know, you're an idiot, or like, yeah, you suck, or, you know, he'll tease you in that way. And he's doing so, can I tell you, because he recognizes in his flesh dwelleth no good thing. There's nothing good in his flesh. And he's telling you there's nothing good in your flesh. You are an idiot. You suck. But don't take that personally as in he's saying you're not valuable. Or don't take that from me when I say you, you are wretched. To mean that I don't think that you're beautiful and wonderful. I do. I love you guys dearly. But you suck. <laughs> I suck. Because the Bible says so. And if we can't receive that, if you don't suck, then... What's the alternative? If you're not weak, what's the alternative? I guess you're okay, right? You're all good. You're good enough. Is that true? That's the most dangerous lie that you can believe. That you're okay. It's all good. That I'm okay without being on fire for the Lord. You're not okay if you're not on fire for the Lord. Do you understand? I'm not okay if I'm not on fire for the Lord. I'm not okay. Because if I'm letting those voices war, and I don't decide, 
Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who will deliver you from that body of death. That's who you can meet with every morning and He will put to bed your flesh. He'll say, no, no flesh. And He'll resuscitate that inner man, the new man. He'll allow you to put that on and to walk in the Spirit and to have the fruit of the Spirit and to be walking in victory where you can say, though none go with me, still I will follow. Though my life is falling apart, though the circumstances suck, though I feel this way, yet I will praise Thee. Even Though You slay me, yet I will praise You. Jesus will get you there. Right? So what we confess is, yeah, confess your sin. You know, if you, if you disobeyed your parents last night, you know, if you looked at pornography last night, notice how I looked at the boys, but now I'm looking at the girls too. Because girls look at pornography too. That's gross. If you did that, you need to confess that to the Lord. Because you sinned against Him. But if you, if you lied to your parents, that's just as disgusting. You understand? that? <laughs> if you disobeyed your parents, that is equally bad in God's eyes as someone addicted to pornography. It's equally wretched. And what you and I need to do is confess that sin. But I think it's even more than that. Yeah, confess those specific sins. But what we have to do is get to the place where we're confessing like Paul. Oh, wretched man that I am. I am utterly hopeless. Except Christ is living in and through me. Does that make sense? I have a lot of examples that come to mind. But it wouldn't be right to share them. It'd be putting people's business out there that doesn't, that's inappropriate. But if you could just trust me, there are really good people, really good people that walked away from this type of invitation and they said, yeah, if I get to it, I will. I love God. But they didn't put their foot down. They didn't draw the line and say, I'm, I'm never going back. And they're facing now, like today, they're facing just some, like, I don't know how, I don't know how they get through it. I don't know. I'm pretty resourceful. I've got a great resource system. I've got families that love me, my family and Kylie's family. I mean, I've got friends and family here. I've got people in this room that would do anything for me. Anything. I'm rich. Not financially, but in terms of the people in my life, I could get help with anything. You understand? If I were in the situation that there's a couple people that are on my mind right now, if I were in their situation, I literally don't know what I would do. 
I don't know how to get out of that. And I know for certain that it is because they've let their devotional time die. And they didn't give it CPR. That starts with confession. When you confess, here's what happens. You confess, God, here are the specific things that I've done that I know are wrong, that I know are against your word. God, I'm sorry for doing that thing. There's a lot of freedom that comes from you genuinely apologizing to your Father. And God, furthermore, beyond that, God, I recognize that even if I, even if I want to do what's right, I can't do it. Even if I don't want to do what I know is wrong, I still do it. Because God, I'm just so weak. I'm so filthy. I'm so pathetic. But God, this is, this is important. But God, you gave your son to not only pay for and justify me from all my sins, but God, you gave me your son to be with me because you love me. Because you want to be with me. You want to, you're for me. And God, despite myself, you want to use me and you want to build me up and you want to encourage me and you want to comfort me and you want to take care of me and you want to hold my hand through life and you want to walk step in step like a good father would. God, you are so wonderful despite me being so weak. And what happens is you can turn from confession to looking to, looking to Jesus Christ and you can grow thankful. Does that make sense? <clears throat> Here's something about the Lord. Psalm 86, verse 5. When we come to Him and we confess, and we want to just lay our stuff down. The Bible says this, For Thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon Thee. He's ready. Let me ask you a question. Is it hard to hate yourself? Is that hard? It's not so hard to hate yourself. You know, you do that thing that you know you shouldn't do. Or you've done those things that you know you shouldn't have done. It's real easy to hate yourself. Really easy. That's not what I'm talking about. It's recognizing that you are weak. And then doing this thing that I think is really hard. Is it hard to receive God's grace and love? Is it hard to receive God's grace? Is it hard to receive forgiveness? Is it hard to forgive yourself? That's what I'm asking you. Is it hard? Is it hard to get over the fact that you did that thing, or you said that thing, or you felt that way, or whatever it is? It's hard to just, here it is, humble yourself before God. Say, I know it was messed up. And I know that you love me. And I reckon that despite me, you forgive me. You're with me. And I, here it is, I don't deserve it. I think we, like unconsciously, subconsciously rather, we think we deserve God's grace when we behave well. I think that's a trap. That's just how we've trained ourselves. <clears throat> if I'm behaving well, if I'm doing right, God's with me. 
There's some, like, there's a subtle lie there. If I'm doing right, God's with me. Well, okay. But if it's only when you're doing right that God's with you, then when you are doing wrong, God has left you? Has God left you? When you did that thing, when you messed up, when you realize that you're weak, has God left you? No, because He says He'll never leave you nor forsake you. What happened? We left Him. That's what it is. We turned our back on Him. And what He's inviting us to is to confess, I turned my back on you, but you're still here and you love me? Thank you so much that you'll never leave me, you'll never forsake me. Does that make sense? Here's your key point. It's really long. It's way too many words probably to write down. But maybe take this SparkNotes version of it. Because I don't have a PowerPoint. I'll say a couple times. It is this. Thankfulness comes from an understanding of how truly unworthy we are of God's goodness toward us. And yet receiving the goodness He extends to us through His Son and His Word. Thankfulness comes from an understanding of how truly unworthy we are of God's goodness toward us, and then receiving the goodness He extends to us through His Son and His Word. You're like, how am I supposed to write all that down? (laughs) I know, sorry. Thankfulness comes from an understanding. It's understanding how truly unworthy we are of God's goodness. We don't deserve it. Whether we're good or bad, we still don't deserve it. Even when you're good, you don't deserve it. You understand? And yet receiving, after that understanding and humbling of ourselves, receiving the goodness He extends to us through His Son and His Word. There was so much I wanted to do today and I don't think we're going to be able to get through a lot of it but I'd like to I'd like to end with just a couple things here okay so tomorrow school started right didn't oh praise the lord you get a little extra time school started for most of us and with school comes just some adjustments, some changing of your schedule and stuff. And so what we're, we're going to do is, as a class, you're invited. You're not pressured. Don't feel pressure. You're invited, though, to read through the whole Bible. You're going to read through the whole thing. And you get to choose how you read through it and at what pace you read through it. Now... I don't know if I've ever read the whole Bible in a whole in one year. I've read the whole Bible a couple of times, but I don't know if I've read through it all in one year. But that's one option. You can read through the Bible in one year, or you can read through the whole Bible in two years. Now, Kylie, did you have the two-year plan? I have the Old Testament, New Testament. So this one, Kylie is going to read through it. Now, I have, there's seven copies of this. It's like, this one's a lot of pages just because it's a lot of days. It tells you what you read on that day. These are also in the Blue Letter Bible app. These, these are just reading plans. I can help you find them. But this, you can have the printed copy. You get up, you read the chapters, you mark it out, and then for the next day. But this is Old Testament and New Testament. It's reading them back and forth each every other day. So you're not just in the Old Testament for half the year. But you're in both of them. And it's a two-year 
reading cycle or program. Kylie's going to be reading it. And so if you choose to do this one, then Kylie will somehow, maybe we'll like put something up in the room or something that has your names on it and we'll be able to keep each other accountable in that group. That's Old Testament and New Testament over two years. Uh, I'm going to do the, uh, the straight through in two years version. So if you want to read through the Bible in two years and go straight through, you can do that with me. I'm trying to get it all set out here. So that's Genesis to Revelation over the course of two years. Now with that, it's five days a week, and then it gives you the weekends to catch up for that one. I think Kylie's is literally every single day. And then there's the one-year plans. So Brock and Lauren are each going to read one of these. This is a one-year plan, and it's blended, meaning it's you're reading Genesis and Romans on the first day. So it's like four chapters a day. The two-year plan, it's like one, two, or three chapters a day. The, the one-year plans, there's a little more reading involved. So if you're an avid reader... That's maybe the one you want to do. But um, Brock, which one are you doing? Are you doing the, you're not doing the blended, are you? That's Lauren. Lauren's doing a blended Genesis or Old Testament and New Testament. So the ladies are doing Old Testament and New Testament. The fellows are going straight through. You're welcome to, to join us. But you don't have to choose. Like if you're a guy, you can do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You pick whichever one you want. And if you don't want to do it, okay, don't do it. Like whatever. It's not like a requirement. The reason I thought to do this is because I'm saying, hey, let's have a devotional life. Let's meet the Lord every day. And the natural question that comes to my mind is, okay, well, where do I read? What do I, I mean, like, what do I do? How do I start? I think we start here. It gives you something to read. And if you can start by just reading it. What I want to get through is how to read it and how to interact with it. How to, to pray while you're reading, unto a place where you're listening for God's Spirit to lead you and guide you through that quiet time with Him. Does that make sense? And that's what we're going to have to talk about next week. What I want to conclude with here is just on your own, we have five minutes here. I want you to take five minutes, and I want you to pray by yourself. I, don't want, I want this to be a, a time and a space where you can just confess to the Lord. Maybe it's the individual things that you did wrong. Maybe it's just you need to confess how much you need Him, how weak and desperate you really are. And I want you to pray until you get to a place where you're thankful to the Lord. And don't leave this room until you're thankful. Don't get up and be all, woe is me, because I'm a piece of crap. Well, yeah, you are. (laughs) Welcome to the club, dude. (laughs) Humility is recognizing it and then not letting that bother you. Because you know you have a Father who loves you. And He's crazy about you. He's crazy about you. Last illustration, then we'll pray. I'm driving in this morning and I had both my two older girls, Josie and Ivy, sitting there in the truck And Josie has her breakfast. They take breakfast to go. 
she's got this piece of bread and it's like butter and sugar and like cinnamon it's fire dude and what she did was she folded it in half she's not talking to me or Ivy she's just doing this all on her own she closes it she bites three holes and then she opens it and I'm like whoa it's like a snowman she's like yeah and then she's like I think Ivy asked her a question or something and Josie then goes in and explains how she could put legs on a snowman She's like, yeah, if you get ice blocks, and then you blah, 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 And she's like going on and on. And I'm just driving. I'm like, what the heck? And then she opens the bread. And then she's just like. <laughs> and she's like really close. I mean, it's bench seating. So she's right next to me. So she's like right here. And she's just like. <laughs> and, I, and I laugh. And I'm like, you know, I just kind of like giggle. And she looks. And I. She was thinking, oh no, am I being gross? Like, am I being annoying or gross or whatever? And she's like, what? I'm like, I just like you. I just think you're wonderful. And then Ivy's over there, just like giggling to herself. She's in this stage where she's just kind of... Like when we walked into the church, we walked down the sanctuary. We were on our way out here. And Hazel Murphy, which is Josie's best friend, is over there... Uh, in the sanctuary. And Ivy just, she says, Hazel! And she runs over and she literally jumps into the air and just latches on to Hazel. And thankfully, Hazel's pretty strong. So Hazel catches her and she's like, ah! And they hug it out. And I'm like, wow, Ivy like has no concern for anything. I mean, she like literally just sprang in and... And I think she's just wonderful. I look at that and I think she's she's beautiful and she's smart, but she's just lovely. I just like her. I just want to hang out with her. And God feels the same way about us. He's like, I just... He loves you. Despite your quirks and your weakness. That's something to be thankful for. We have a father who loves us far more than I even love and enjoy my children. I love and enjoy them, like a father does. Duh. But it's nothing compared to the love of God. Does that make sense? So take five minutes. I'm going to put some quiet music on here just so it's not maybe so silent and awkward. But I want you to pray, and I want you by yourself. You can write out your prayer. That's a good way to do it. You can do it to yourself silently. You're not praying with anybody, just yourself. And just confess unto thankfulness. Amen.